Exodus 13, 17. Exodus 13, 17. God delivers his people from his enemies. Let's jump right into the text. Exodus 13, 17. I love to hear those pages turning. Second book of the Bible, chapter 13, verse 17. I'm reading from the ESV. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up from the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Turn to your map, please, in your notes. Turn to your map in your notes. And if you, if you look at your map, you will notice here a peninsula called the Sinai Peninsula. To the left of it is Egypt. To the right of it, up in the upper right-hand corner, would be Israel, present-day Jordan, and even Saudi Arabia down here at the very bottom. Okay? When God led forth Israel initially, they went from the land of Goshen. And if you'll see right up here, where I'm pointing, kind of a, along the top here, he led them right to an area right here called Migdal, okay? And so they were out. They were out. Here's Egypt. The the borders of Egypt that time were about right here. They were out of Egypt. They went out ready for battle. I mean, it was like, yeah, we made it. Two million people. It's like, we're out of here. We're free. Yeah, freedom. And then God did a curious thing. Because you see, If you go along this northern edge, you'll come to what's present-day Israel, but a place called the place of the Philistines. Today it's called Gaza. Palestinians. So that was the place of the Philistines. And God said, wait a second. You're out, but instead of taking the direct path right into Israel, you're not quite ready for war yet. So, reverse. Two million people turned around. Can you imagine being the last guy? Hey, we were out. Hey, what are we turning around for? Hey, where's this bus? We're going back into Egypt. Wait a second. (laughs) And sure enough, they came back probably to an area called Ramses, which isn't on your map, but it's probably right around where it says uh, Al-Katana, right about there, maybe a little bit south. And they come back into Egypt. They come back into Egypt. We're not going to read the whole text, but chapter 14 says that when they get back into Egypt... Pharaoh says, huh, these guys are coming back. Now, you've got to remember, Pharaoh is mourning the death of his firstborn son. Pharaoh's advisors are showing him the bill for Hurricane Israel. Forget Wilma and Katrina. Hurricane Israel that destroyed his country. I mean, there are still huge boulders laying all over the place. 
Remember God, one of the plagues is God threw big rocks out of the sky and killed people? I mean, there are probably dead frogs being piled up, kind of like the, the dead brush that was piled up after Wilma. Remember that? There would just be these big mounds of trees that they would take. There was one right there by the Golden Glades Exchange. I used to drive by and watch that, the rotting mounds of debris from Hurricane Wilma. There were rotting mounds of frogs and locusts. and there was, His crops were decimated. He was mad. You know, it's like someone like beating you up and leaving and then coming back and just standing right there in your face. I'm back. And his advisors looked at him and said, they're back. What are you going to do? He says, I'm going to kill him. And Israel's probably thinking, Lord, what are you doing? You beat him up once. He let us go. Why are we going back there? <laughs> and sure enough, guys, if you look on your maps here, you'll see this little line where it crosses the Bitter Lakes. Okay? This is the crossing. Pharaoh starts chasing them. Probably took a couple of weeks. Back then, the armies had chariots and horses and animals. And, you know, it just took a lot longer to mobilize an army. So probably maybe a week for 2 million people to walk 40, 50, 60 miles. Maybe another week for 2 million people to walk 40, 50, 60 miles back. Maybe another week for Pharaoh to to figure out, I'm going to kill these boys. And they mobilized the army. Bottom line is, at a certain point in our narrative, Israel, 2 million people, are found with a ocean of water in front of them and a very angry Pharaoh behind them wanting to kill them. And so what we're going to see here is that God delivers his people from his enemies. But what I don't want you to forget and what's on really on my heart this morning is this. God led them into that precarious position. You understand me? God's the one that told them to turn around. God's the one that tweaked Pharaoh's nose. God's the one that says they're back. You want them? I mean, it's the ultimate sucker punch, okay? It's the ultimate trap. But the people of Israel, they thought they were the ones trapped. And the last guy in the back of the line, in the back of the bus, was complaining bitterly. Actually, the whole bus was complaining. We were out, Lord. What are we coming back for? Lord, do you want to kill us right here? Couldn't you have just killed us in Egypt? Lord, why do we just stay in Egypt? Lord, why are we here? And this is what they forgot, and this is what I don't want you to forget. This whole deal wasn't about them becoming free. It was about God receiving the glory. He doesn't save you to actualize or realize your life or so that everything will be sweet and perfect for you. He doesn't save you as some sort of divine self-help God, little g, that you're going to use to make your life better and find happiness for you. He saves you to bring glory to his name, and often that's going to mean leading you into a place where there's water in front of you that you can't get through on your own, and there's enemies behind you coming to kill you. And you're going to be tempted to go, God, why didn't you just kill me in the first place? And the Lord's word to you, is the main point of this message. And if you look on your notes, what God is, gonna, is saying to you is, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. 
Where are you this morning? Tempted to either give up, complain, or even run away. What in your life right now are you thinking, God, why did you leave me here? This is a trap. What is it? I think that's what God wants to put his finger on during this message. And at the end of this message, we're going to actually celebrate communion, which is the perfect day for it. Passover just began for our Jewish friends in the city, all over the world. And Corey preached a great message about the Feast of Unleavened Bread last week. And we all know that Jesus is the Passover lamb, isn't he? And he's come to set you free. But for some of you, it's a little confusing. Because you've done a U-turn. You come back into Egypt. And you feel like, God, you've betrayed me here. I'm in trouble financially. Relationally. I'm hurting. Things aren't happening the way I want them to happen. And you're somewhat offended by God's route. His circuitous route. And God wants to say to you this morning, I'm good. But I'm about my glory. Not just your comfort. Okay? It's not the most direct path, but it's my path. Will you trust me? Amen? I just want to pray for a moment. Oh, Lord. Lord, help us to preach this message, to hear this message with faith. Lord, keep us from complaining against you, which is simply an exposure of our unbelieving hearts. Lord, show us now you are good. How do we know that? Because the Passover lamb, Christ Jesus, bore our sins on a cross, rose from the dead. Lord, you're good, no matter what we're experiencing presently. So help us see that in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, God leads his people into confrontation with his enemies to bring glory to his name by then delivering his people so that they might believe in him. It's that simple. God leads his people into confrontation with his enemies to bring glory to his name by delivering his people so that they might believe in him. Point number one, God leads his people. Chapter 13, verses 17 to 22, just picking up on a few verses there. Verse 18, very, very clear. God led the people. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph And said, because Joseph said, God will surely visit you. What a tremendous sign of covenantal leadership and faithfulness. 430 years earlier, when Joseph died, he says, listen guys, God's going to lead us out of here. So you see my bones? You don't see them yet, but you will. Put them in whatever they put them in, in the uh, coffin, and you keep them. And then whenever we leave, you put that coffin on whatever it needs to get on, and you take it into the promised land, because this ain't my home. Great picture of how we should live. This ain't my home. That's my home. I can't see it. I see it by faith, but that's my home. Just like heaven is our home. And my ultimate, listen, my ultimate peace and comfort doesn't come here, man. If you're looking for it here, stop. It ain't going to happen. You're looking in the wrong place, and you will compromise the gospel, and you will complain against God. You know what your final resting place is? A place you can't see with your eyes, but it's there by faith. It's heaven. You'll rest there. No more battles, okay? You'll rest there, but not yet. 
Not yet. We're going back and we're going to duke it out with God's enemies. Because it's God's agenda, not mine. And then the last bullet point there, and point number one, the Lord went before them. Folks, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, you know what that is? That's simply this. That is a symbol of God's presence with God's people. Today, God's presence is with us. How? The Holy Spirit. God's active presence is no longer a cloud by day. Oh, that would have been pretty cool. I wonder what that cloud looked like. How about the fire? What do you think the fire looked like at night? Cool, right? Must have been big enough for two million people to gather in a plane and everybody see it at the same time. So it was big, and it was God. It was God. So my question to you this morning is this. Are you one of God's people? Only those in covenant with him through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice qualify to be his people? Therefore, we must preach the gospel to ourselves and not not only no longer simply look at a physical cloud and physical fire, but look at the cross where the cloud and fire of God are revealed. You want to see God? You look at Jesus. You want to see the pinnacle of Jesus' work? You look at the cross. God loves you. As you march into battle and facing odds that are way bigger than you, march with the cross in your sight. There is God's victory. There is God's sacrifice. That is where Jesus Christ put God's enemies to death to show. He made a show of them openly. Colossians 2. He routed them at the cross. So when you go into battle, look there. Point two. Not only does God lead his people, but God leads his people into confrontation with his enemies. This is what offends us so often, isn't it? Lord, I signed up for this thing to get healed of my problems, to get my sins forgiven, to restore my marriage, to get my kids to love me and like me and whatever else. But Lord, I didn't sign up for a battle. Well, too bad. Because that's what God signed you up to. And the quicker you understand that, the quicker you will stop complaining. Because God says to us, fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Now let's drop into that little text there. Chapter 14. Let's look at verse 13. The people had just finished complaining and they were saying, why are we here? We're going to die. And Moses said to the people, 14, 13, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. I mean, just think of the boxing ring, you know, that Corey says we're all in. We're all in that same ring. You're there, puny little you, and your opponent is whoever the biggest, baddest, meanest guy you can think of. If you're into mixed martial arts, whoever the biggest, meanest, baddest guy that is. If you're an old-timer like me, you know, Muhammad Ali or or Mike Tyson. Whatever your image is of someone that's just going to kill you. And so you're in the ring, right? And the Lord's in the ring, and the Lord says... Ding, go. And you're like, where did you go? What? I was fine eating popcorn on the front row, having my Coke. I don't want to be in the ring. <laughs> and the Lord says, stand firm. Don't run. I'm fighting the battle. And then he says, and it'd be like you going up to go and say, sucker, you're going down. <laughs> I think Corey gave us that illustration. And it's like, See those Egyptians? Oh yeah, you mean the ones with the most modern warfare and machinery and spears? And man, they're big and ugly. And all that armor, I see them. You're never going to see them again. Oh really? (laughs) And who's going to kill them? Lord says, I am. That's a problem. We think we're going to kill them. No, no, the Lord's going to kill them. The Lord's going to kill them. But it's hard to trust them, isn't it? It is. It is. It's hard. I admit that. 
You see, God leads us in ways we often do not understand nor appreciate. But his ways are good and he knows what he's doing. Do you believe that? That God's ways are good and he knows what he's doing? That's been the theme this morning. From the song we sang, Isn't He's Good, to the prophetic word. You see, ultimately God leads us in ways that proclaim his glory and are for our good. But the first one is proclaim his glory. But these ways are neither safe nor are they comfortable. They require faith on our part. And unfortunately, when we lack faith, write this down, we complain. You can write this down on point two. When you lack faith, you complain. No arguments. No arguments. When you lack faith, you complain. When you lack faith, you complain. That's it. And much like Israel, in this story, we lack faith. And much like Israel, we complain. You see... As God led his people in a confrontation with the enemies, you can see here from the bullet points, he tells the people to turn back, verse, verse 2. He says to the people, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, verse 4a. I'm reading from the bullets here in point 2. He says then, I will get glory over Pharaoh, and he will know that I am the Lord, 14, 4b. You see, the point is, will Pharaoh acknowledge the Lord? Remember at the beginning of Exodus, what did Pharaoh say? The first time Moses came, he says, let my people go. He says, I don't know your God, and I'm not letting them go. So the issue was God and Pharaoh. So don't take it personally when God calls you into combat. It is not your fight. It is his, but you are a soldier in the fight. And you've got to fight by his strength. And then the people feared greatly, 1410. But they feared the wrong thing. The greatest problem for Israel wasn't the Egyptian army ready to kill them. It was a holy God ready to kill them. Oh, our greatest problem today is not terrorism or a recession or somebody you have conflict with or a fear you might have. Name it. Your worst problem is a God who will come in an instant and change history and change you and judge you and judge history. You need to be saved from him, not Egypt. They didn't get that. See, in one sense, it was, it was, it was a done deal because God had saved them from himself in the Passover lamb. So they should have thought, as we should think, oh, I've been saved from the worst thing that can happen to me, eternal hell and damnation. So therefore, I'm getting in the ring with Mike Tyson, whomever. I, I'm facing the biggest, baddest problem that can come to my life because the, actually the biggest problem in my life has been dealt with. Jesus died for my sins. The one who can damn me to hell forever now is at peace with me. So they feared the wrong thing. They should have feared God. And their eyes were on the wrong thing. Instead of their eyes being on the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire if it was at night, their eyes were on the enemy. So sometimes our eyes are on the horizontal level and we're looking at our problems and God says, no, lift them up. Boom. Put them on me. Today, it's not a pillar of cloud or fire. It's the cross. That's why we must preach the cross to ourselves every single day. So we stand firm and we will see the salvation of the Lord. God leads us in often mysterious ways. Yes, he does. So that he might demonstrate to us and a watching world that he is the Lord. All he asks for us to do is stand firm, fear not, and we will see his salvation. And let me just say one more thing. Peace is highly overrated. Peace is highly overrated. The right kind of peace can never be overrated. That's peace with God. But, oh, friend, if you have peace with God, you have war with the world. Which do you want, good friend? Peace with what's around you right now 
and war with God? Or do you want peace with God and war with the world? Jot this scripture down. No time to go there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Jot that down under point 2. And it says this. All who desire to live godly will be persecuted. So what will it be, friend? Will you have peace with God? Then welcome to warfare. Welcome to warfare in your soul, in your work, in your home, in your family. Welcome to, will you fight? Because you've got the only peace that really matters. Why do I say peace is overrated? Because I've counseled couples. where One of them will say, you know, I have peace about leaving him. I feel like the Lord's leading me here. No, that's not the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. That's the Lord, little l. Who wouldn't have peace to leave the relationship that right now is having a lot of conflict, primarily because of your sinful heart? Of course you're going to have peace. But you're now at war with God. Because the Bible says, he who loves the world hates the Lord. So peace is overrated. And coming from the world I came from, everybody's got, I'm, I got peace, man. You know, I just feel led not to go to church. I just have peace about that. Well, sure you do. You have sweet peace. It's called sleep until about noon, okay? You know, I work hard, Sunday's my day. Get up, sluggard. Go to war with your flesh. You want peace with God? War with your flesh. You want comfort ultimately in heaven? Then you have discomfort now. Okay? All right, point three. God brings glory to his name by delivering his people. This is such good news. <laughs> God does knock out the big guy we're fighting in the ring. He does destroy the armies that are coming after us. Jesus did win the battle on Calvary. Look in your notes, point three, first bullet. <laughs> God says, why do you cry to me? He's talking to Moses. Tell the people to go forward. And then God says, here's why. I will get glory over Pharaoh. The way God gets glory is both by saving his people and destroying his enemy. Do you realize the cross where Christ Jesus won the victory for us is to us a smell, a savor of life to life, and for the unbeliever, it's a savor from death to death? Do you realize the very same act that brings glory to God kills one group and saves another? That's just the way God is. Do not mess with God. Someone's going down in that ring. Someone's going down hard. Final. It's dangerous. It's risky. You've got to have faith. Get in the ring. Trust God. Have peace with God. Watch his salvation. Isn't that a great message for us? No cowards allowed. No self-sufficient people allowed. Only people with faith. Trust in their Christ, in their Lord. Yeah, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and then thus the Lord saved Israel that day. God saves his people from himself. He delivers them from the wrath to come and sets their feet on dry ground while the Egyptians were washed away by the waters. And I believe those were the waters of God's wrath, a picture of the final judgment. At the same time, he judges his enemies and drowns them in his mighty wrath Because of his righteous judgment, he saves his people, not based on anything they've done. Don't you realize they just finished complaining and slandering God? Out of their mouth, they just come, why did you bring us here? We're going to die here. You blew it. You don't know where it's going. Turn the bus around. I don't want to go back. Don't get me back. Get me out of the bus. And then he kills a whole army. Now, we're going to see next week, what do they do? 
I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Oh, God, yeah, God! You five minutes earlier, they're going, God, I can't believe you can't! <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, fourth and one, right? And the quarterback audibles for a fly pattern, which is a long run downfield. And when he fakes the handoff, the coach is going, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, it goes from disaster to touchdown. And we're, we're, the, we're that fickle person. I can't believe you've done this to me. Oh, this is great. I worship you. And it's like, it's like, it is. And it's like the Lord, the Lord is patient with this, isn't he? Why did he let two million complaining, blasphemous people live and kill an army of people that didn't even know him? Now we're into, he has mercy on whom he will have mercy. I don't know either. But you know what? If you're one of those people who's had mercy on, worship him. And that's the final point. Four. God's people bring glory to God by believing in him. Oh, this is so cool. A little grotesque, but cool. Israel saw the dead Egyptians. All right, so you're standing there, you know, with your kid. Chris, you know, you got your boy by the hand. Although your kids would probably think this is cool too. And, uh, and, and are, you know, dead Egyptians are floating by. Dad, look at those weapons on him. Wow. Wow, look how big that guy is. Wow. Yeah, son, they're all dead. They're dead. Dead. Everybody's, all the, all the, all the Israelites are on the, on the shores because the water had come back and they're going like, they're just a hush. Look at them. The mightiest army on earth is dead. When you, You know, when we look at the cross, it's, it's, it should be that amazing. It isn't, I know it's hard, but Jesus, you hung naked on a cross, ridiculed, and you rose from the dead, and the Bible says we're dead in Christ, and we're now alive. Our old man is dead. We're now alive as a new person. We're no longer under the slavery of sin. Our enemies have been defeated. We're still going to fight, but it's from a position of victory. He saved me. That's why we'd sing and dance and just go crazy here. Because the, the truth is amazing. Next week we're going to look, not next week, the week after, we're going to look at the song, Moses' song. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, Israel saw the Egyptians dead. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against Egypt. Israel, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. God does all these things to bring glory to his name. He reveals us He reveals himself as the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's that word, Yahweh. That is the I am who I am when he first revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. He's the Lord. He's the God of the armies. He's the God of warfare. He's the God of faithful promises. We got Moses, we got Joseph's bones with us. We're going into the land. God's faithful. And they believed. And so Christ defeats his enemies on the cross. And he delivers his people, that's us, so that we might know that he alone is the Lord. And we would believe in him with all of our hearts, even when he leads us to do a U-turn and go right into the teeth of the enemy. When he leads us, as I just talked to a friend this weekend, to make financial decisions to be able to stay in a church and lose maybe $100,000. And he looked me in the eye and there was a, a, a slight grin on his face and a twinkle in his eyes. And he says, you know, 
My wife and I, we think about that a lot. He was asking me for some counsel. But I know this is God. I know it's God. You were free, man. Go, get out. God told me to turn around and get back. Stay here. You know, it was the Lord to open my mouth at work, and now everybody hates me. I picked that fight. I obeyed the Lord. Why? Because Christ is our deliverer and calls us to fight. Oh, friend, run to the battle. Run to the battle. Don't be a coward. Run to the battle, men. Get up. Get up. Don't be lazy. Don't be cowards. Run to the battle. Run hard. Run strong. Remember the cross. Remember Christ. And run and die for him. Don't waste your life. So, to commemorate all that, we are going to transition into communion right now. So, ushers, would you please begin to move toward your assignments? Worship team, would you please begin to move toward your assignments? Church, let us move our hearts to continue to look at God's presence among us, which is Christ Jesus crucified for us. It is the pillar of cloud by day. It is the pillar of fire by night. This is the place we rally. We come to the cross All who gather at the cross, all who gather at the cross, gather here by grace alone. Now, as everyone is moving to serve us, I'm going to ask you to do something. As we are transitioning into communion, which is the symbol of what Christ did for us, his death and resurrection, I want you to turn somewhere. It's an unusual place. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 10. Please turn in 1 Corinthians 10 in your Bibles. And I want you to think through with me the significance of this Old Testament passage for New Testament Christians. And so we're going to a place where the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, writes about what we just studied. Romans chapter 10. It's a fairly lengthy portion of Scripture, but... Let's read it together. You'll read it silently. What did I say? That's what I meant. You know, with the the years, man, I'm slowing down a step, you know? Thank you, guys. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 10. You can read Romans later. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. All right. Just enjoy this, my friends. Just enjoy this. He's writing to a church that is filled with much sin, particularly sexual sin. So listen to what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all, made, were all under the cloud. This is the cloud spoken of in Exodus 13. And all passed through the sea. This is the sea spoken of in Exodus 14. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Hoo-yeah! That's a hoo-yeah right there. You want to know who the, what the rock was in the wilderness? The Bible says it was Jesus. That's right. That's cool. That, Jesus Christ sustained his people in a place where there was no water. Because the water they wanted to drink, I'm preaching a sermon from three weeks from now, but I'm on it, man, so forget it. I'm not stopping. The, the, the water that they went to drink was bitter and would have killed them, and God said, hit the rock. So Moses hits the rock, and water comes out that keeps them alive in a desert. Jesus keeps us alive. That's good stuff. That'll preach. Verse 5. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. Whoops. (laughs) 
for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as what? As examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Wow. God's serious about sin, folks. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. We're going to be preaching on all this. It's rich, rich biblical theology from Exodus. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer, capital D. Guess who that is? Now, these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore... Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. I think that's the word of the Lord this morning. Some of you think you're tempted beyond your ability. It's too hard, Al. I've sinned too much, Al. I can't stop this, Al. It's just too difficult, Al. I'm stuck in bitterness. Whatever it is. God's saying, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it is not. Be more aware of God's grace than of your sin. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, just like he provided the way of escape for Israel. Don't you see the parallel? Therefore, my beloved, I love all these therefores. Ask, what's that therefore, therefore? Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people, Judge for yourselves what I say. Now we're about to take this cup. The cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Oh, it is. We're about to participate in it right now. The bread that we break. Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Oh, yes, it is. He is the Passover lamb. We're participating in him. Because there is one bread... We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Our unity is in Christ, not in our cultures, not in our ethnicities. It's in Christ. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? Paul saying, so what in the world am I saying, guys? Here it is. That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. Here it is. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Whoa. (laughs) There's no little sins here. Either participating with God or with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I don't think so. What's he talking about? They were going to temples and having sex with temple prostitutes as part of the pagan culture that was around them. Now, do we do that? No, but we do it in other ways. We do it in other ways. The Bible says that covetousness is idolatry. The Bible says that he who unites himself to a woman, a man who unites himself to a woman, they become one. So if you're one with Jesus, don't unite yourself to that which is unclean. Sexual immorality is unclean. God is serious. You may be uniting yourself to desires that are unclean, to things in secret that are unclean. God is saying, look, I've delivered you. Don't provoke me to jealousy. Here's the way out. It's Jesus. Go. 
Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. That's the burden this morning. I believe of God. I sense that the Lord would call out those who are in particular wrestling with sexual impurity today. This is a bondage to the flesh and the world which God wants to deliver you from. Christ our Lord came to deliver us first from God's wrath that is rightly on us for our rebellious sin, but then he delivers us from God's enemies so he can set us free from this bondage. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead so that we might die with him and rise to a new life in him. We're no longer the old person we were. We are new creations in Christ, so let us live like new creations and stop this sin by grace. Now, ushers, would you please come forward? I'm going to bless this, these elements. Dear ones, if you do not know Jesus Christ, in a moment I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to bow your knee and honor and trust the only one that can save your soul from the only thing that truly is eternally punishing to you, and that's his wrath. If you will pray that prayer, please feel free to eat of this. But if you have not, do not, do not, do not eat of that which is holy outside of Christ. It will not go well with you. But if you are a Christian, do not fail to eat because there's sin in your life. Oh my, this is why he gave himself. We come as broken, filthy creatures. And he died to take our filth and brokenness and give us his cleanliness, his righteousness, and his wholeness. So I'm going to pray in a moment. Then we're going to pass out the elements. We're going to do something a little different this time. While the elements are being passed out, I'm going to read some scriptures. We're not going to have a song necessarily. The band will play quietly in the background. I'm going to read some scriptures. They're going to be posted here on the screens. You may just want to shut your eyes and listen. If you learn better by reading while you're listening, fine. But meditate on these. Okay? Let me pray. After I pray, the ushers will begin to serve us. I'll read the scriptures. When all that is done, we'll partake together. Then we'll finish with the song. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that does not know you, that is outside the protection of Jesus Christ, our covenant sacrifice, the Passover lamb, who is not in a home where the blood is on the doorpost and they're, they're, they're accessible right now to the death angel, is coming to kill them. And it is you. <laughs> we need to be saved from you because you're holy and righteous. You must judge us. But oh, you offer us salvation and protection. So I pray right now, and if this is you, pray in your hearts. Repent of your sin and your rebellion and cry out to Jesus alone as your Savior. And Lord, if they're doing this right now, by your spirit, Lord, you communicate new life. And may they partake of these elements with joy. Much joy. Lord, bless now these elements that remind us of the truth of Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Passover lamb, my safe place from the wrath of God. So we come, Lord, in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.